Hello, my name's Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week. Coming up today, Tom will talk us through the massive shakeup in the US ULCC market, while I look at Boeing's big win from Qatar Airways. I see why Ryanair is not pleased with Boeing, and Joe will take a look at the UK's latest low-cost long-haul startup. Finally, Tom will tell us about a cool second life promise to an Airbus A380. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And I really wanted to start by the big news of the week, which really caught us all off guard. Um, mm. On Monday, I think, Frontier Airlines and Spirit Airlines revealed that they're going to be merging to create a single airline entity. And um, according to the airlines, this is going to mean a billion dollars worth of savings for future passengers. Um, you know, the airline's going to remain under the Indigo Partners umbrella where Frontier Airlines currently sits today. But it's going to create a huge wave across the US airline industry. You know, they're going to go from competing against one another to sharing each other's potential passengers. And it's likely going to be seen as a win for many who fly with one airline or the other, but uh, it doesn't seem that everyone is happy. Um, so the new airline is going to see Frontier and Spirit becoming one. Um, the Frontier equity holders now are going to own 51.5% of the new venture and Spirit's equity holders around 48.5%. So uh, Bill Frankie, who is the managing partner of Indigo Partners, uh, which is Frontier's largest shareholder, is going to go on to be the chairman of the board of the new airline. The board's going to have 12 members, so seven are coming from Frontier and five from Spirit. It's quite interesting, though, because if you combine the available seat miles of both airlines for 2021, the dual Mm. airline would have been larger than JetBlue and Alaska Airlines. Um, That's crazy. So it would make it, it it still wouldn't be as big as like Southwest and the Big Three, but it would be bigger. Um, Mm. And I mean, both already on their own were larger than Allegiant. Um, The deal is set to be closed in the second half of the year. So assuming everything goes to plan, of course, they've still got to get it past the um, DOJ, I think, or um, someone in America has got to sign off on it uh, in terms of competition. So um, Mm. that was like a sort of hot topic on the um, investor call that I listened in on. Um, Yeah. You think there'll be some uh, big red flags for competition there? (laughs) There's definitely going to be some pushback from somewhere, but um, it's it's interesting to see where it will be. The airline's new name, um, its brand and its headquarters haven't been announced yet, um, but they will be announced before the deal is closed. So my money's on Sprinteer. I'm personally going for Spiritier. Spiritier, Spiritier. Yeah, it's interesting. That doesn't work at all, does it? It doesn't. The spirit of frontier, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> um, the frontier spirit. <laughs> yeah. Commenting on the plans, Spirit's president and CEO Ted Christie commented that this transaction is centered around creating an aggressive ultra low fare competitor to serve our mm. guests even better, expand career opportunities for our team members, and increase competitive pressure, resulting in more consumer friendly fares for the flying public. We look forward to in- uniting our talent teams to shake up the airline industry while also continuing our commitment to excellent guest service. Um, So it's quite interesting because they made a map of sort of the um, airports that are served by both airlines, only Frontier and only Spirit. And, you know, along the sort of um, the mid to middle of America to the east of America, there's kind of quite a few blue dots representing that both airlines serve there. But um, sort of across the whole contiguous United States, you've got a lot of Frontier only uh, destinations. And then as you move into Central and South America, there's a lot of Spirit only destinations. Um, Mm. It's quite interesting because they kind of seem to suggest that there'll be 
um, combining their operations in a way that if one had three flights from an airport and one had two flights from an airport, there would now be five flights from an airport rather than kind of trying to merge them into like free flights in total so um mm. that would be sort of an interesting one whether there is demand for that um it was quite interesting though because they said they're going to offer a thousand plus daily flights to 145 plus destinations wow. so this is going to allow them to serve 19 countries with 283 aircraft but it, um, so that's 650 nonstop routes, but it doesn't stop there because, you know, in Dubai, we saw this huge Indigo Partners order. Spirit also has outstanding orders. Um, yeah. By next year, they're expecting to have 350 aircraft between them. And this is meant to balloon up to almost 500 aircraft in 2026. So wow. it's really a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be huge. Mm. I like the way that they're framing it, that it's going to be beneficial for passengers because yeah. you and I both know that generally um, <laughs> reduced competition equals bad things for passengers, you know, yeah. increased fares and more monopolies. And mm. But we'll have to wait and see. You know, I don't yeah. want to slam it before it's even happened and we don't even know if it's going to get past the competition scrutiny yet. So mm. let's watch just this watch this space, <laughs> as we say. Mm. <laughs> So I wanted to, um, th this is kind of old news now, um, but we didn't really talk about it on the last podcast because it actually happened hours after we'd recorded. Um, but Qatar Airways has made a huge order with Boeing um, and it's kind of interesting. I thought it was worth talking about it today because there have been other developments in the kind of Qatar Airbus row saga. Um, but let's talk about the order first of all. So um, it was last Monday and it was quite late in the day for us in Europe. I was kind of waiting with bated breath to get mm. the nod that it was going on. Um, I think on the last podcast we did mention it was expected yep. that Qatar Airways would order the 777X freighter at some point. Yep. Um, they did indeed. Um, the Emir was visiting visiting the US for a kind of uh, diplomatic visit, various things were going on. As part of that, when he met with the president, he took the opportunity to sign for a total of 50 777X freighters. Mm. Um, that's 34 firm and 16 options. But what was a bit of a surprise um, was that <laughs> alongside the 777XF order was an order for 5737 MAX aircraft. Um, now, this is a direct consequence of the of the Airbus row, basically, because yeah. you, you may remember that we probably talked about this before. Um, Airbus has recently cancelled an order for 50 A321neos um, mm. that were due to be delivered to Qatar Airways. Uh, so obviously they needed a, a, a new solution for their future narrowbody requirements. Um, they went for the 737 Max, which is mm. 25 firm and 25 options. They I mean, haven't they didn't really specified have much choice other than the Comac, did they? <laughs> Well, that's very true. <laughs> they haven't specified which flavour of Max they'll be taking, but I would imagine it's um, eights and nines, and I'm sure we'll get more. Mm. Uh, Perhaps even tens, if you're thinking about, because you had the the A321 was the Airbus, which is sort of the bigger end of the, the scale. The biggest one, yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends on the timelines, I guess. Mm. But uh, you know, it's it's interesting to see how quickly Qatar is switching away from Airbus and how quickly Airbus is withdrawing from Qatar. You know, mm. they're they're not at all happy with each other. If you remember, um, Qatar Airways released that video of kind of going public with the paintwork issues it's been suffering on its A3. 
50s. And Hmm. it's currently hunting down some $600 million worth of damages from Airbus. And it's all going through the the High Court in London. So it remains to be seen what comes out the other end of that. But in the meantime, every bridge is being burned between these two. You know, they're they're really throwing some shade at each other. Um, Hmm. As we said, Airbus cancelled that 50 plane order um, a couple of weeks ago in retaliation for the video. So Qatar has gone to Boeing to order its future narrow bodies. Now, yesterday, um, Airbus released its um, orders and deliveries figures for January. Mm. Um, and within that, it's noted that two of Qatar's A350-1000s have been cancelled. Mm. Um, so it was probably done at the same time as the 50 A321neos, um, but it wasn't really apparent. You know, it's a much smaller number and was much di- more difficult to dig out of the data. Mm. Um, but they did have uh, 42 ordered, and now they've just got 40 Um on the order side. 19 have already been delivered, so there's only 21 left to go. And that is it for Qatar Airways and Airbus. Nothing Mm. else is left outstanding. Um, So whether they will take those 21 remains to be seen. Obviously, they're not taking any at the moment. all depends on what happens in court. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. I think, you know, like, unless... Qatar is happy, even if like Airbus were to win in court, I think unless Qatar is happy with the outcome, they're not going to take them. No, exactly. So, uh, so yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But it does look very much that Qatar's burnt its bridges and it's only mm. going to have one manufacturer to choose from in future, which, uh, you know, at present, it's not a big deal because it's getting what it wants. But yeah. I really do think they've hampered their negotiating powers for future aircraft deals. Mm. You know, it's uh, not a good position to be in if you're only going to look at one supplier. Mm. But there we go. <laughs> well, I wanted to talk about another airline that only looks at one supplier, and that is my favourite airline until the end of March, Ryanair. Um, So, you know, they had their earnings call last Monday, I think. uh, So we didn't quite get it in the podcast last week. But uh, it was quite interesting because O'Leary discussed the um, 737 MAX in the call. And um, he was very happy with the aircraft, you know. He said it seems... um, he he said um, they were they were expecting a fuel burn reduction of sixteen percent with the plane, and he's saying that they've already seen a better than expected fuel burn reduction. So um, it's using less fuel than Boeing even promised them. Um, you know they've seen a forty percent noise reduction, which is roughly what the manufacturer had said, and passengers and crew have been very positive about the Max. So you know it seems like it's all good as far as Boeing's concerned. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, so far. Well, um, let's do a U-turn because it turns out that while uh, Ryanair is really happy with the Max, it's not at all happy with the people who make the Max. Um, You may remember that they were in talks, uh, I think, last year to buy a 737 MAX 10 or a few of them. um, But then, you know, they said it wasn't right, um, the right time. And then they've uh, called off the um, talks altogether. Well... O'Leary kind of hinted on this. He said, we're not in talks at the moment with Boeing on new aircraft orders. We've been very disappointed with the response of Boeing. We're disappointed for Boeing too that we've seen in the last six months a number of Boeing customers like Jet2 and others convert to aircraft Airbus, uh, Airbus aircraft even. Mm. (laughs) Um, We think Boeing are missing a trick. They need to be much more aggressive on the sales front and they need to be doing a deal with Ryanair. But sadly at the moment (laughs) they're not. Because, <laughs> um, you know, like, we, we, it's very clear that the two aren't talking right now because um, they were talking about the 737 MAX 10. But I think it was you, Joe, mm. that wrote last year that they pulled the plug on the search because just 
Boeing couldn't satisfy the price that Ryanair mm-hmm. wanted. They want um, it cheap as chips, basically, and Boeing's yeah. not prepared to drop that yeah. much out of a plane it hasn't even released yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what I did think was quite interesting was that Ryanair uh, revealed it expects its fleet to grow to 620 to 630 plus aircraft in the next five years. And that's with the arrival of the 737 MAX order it currently has. Um, so with the fleet growing, the sort of um, emphasis will be on adding aircraft to the fleet rather than replacing older aircraft. But you do have to think that some of the aircraft in the Ryanair fleet are getting on a bit and they're going to need to retire soon. So I think while O'Leary said that Boeing was missing a trick by not doing a deal with Ryanair, um, it's not going to last long because, you know, Ryanair's going to need new aircraft sooner or later. Um, and also, you know, like just after he'd said that uh, Boeing was missing a trick. They went and scored that um, Qatar Airways order that you've just spoken about. So are (laughs) they really missing a trick? (laughs) (laughs) Not too many. Maybe they're missing Mm. a Ryanair trick, but not everybody's trick. Mm. Um, So um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about a new UK startup um, that I don't think we've spoken about on the podcast before, um, because we we don't get many startup airlines in the UK, and we seem Mm. to have several kind of on the verge of doing something this year, which is exciting. Um, But the one that I think is closest to actually launching passenger services is um, an airline called Hans Airways. Um, Now, this is a very... um, how can we put it, like a methodical airline business plan. This is an airline that's not shouting about where it's going to go and what it's going to do, you know, in the way a lot of airline startups do. They're like, well, we'll be flying in six weeks' time and we're going to have 50 destinations of 500 airplanes. And you think, Mm. yeah, right. These guys have been very quiet, but they've been quietly getting on with things. Um, And I caught up with the CEO, who's called Satnam Sani, um, about his plans. Um, Now, this does intend to be a low cost long haul airline. They want to Mm. fly from Birmingham to secondary airports in India. um, And it is going to be affordable. I mean, that's a very price sensitive market. They're going to have to be. Um, So, you know, I kind of looked at this and I thought, well, my goodness, there's another low cost long haul tragedy waiting to happen because it hasn't worked for anyone else. So why Mm. is it going to work for these guys? Well, after having a chat with Satnam, I really do think that they've got their um, they've got their head screwed on the right way. Let's put it that way. They've got a good chance of making this work. Um, so they've already made some progress. I think we called them our airline startup of the week back in June last year. Mm. Um, they've started hiring crew. And more recently, just last month, they signed for their first A330-200. Um, but that's kind of all the messaging that's coming out of them. There's none of this shouty kind of, oh, we're going to be amazing and we're going to do this and do that. And then you miss the the boat and, you know, nothing mm. actually happens. Um, and he was very, you know, very insistent on this, that the most important thing is to be honest and to have integrity. So whatever he says that he is doing as an airline boss is actually going to happen. You mm. know, he doesn't want to miss the boat or to not deliver on something he's told the world he's going to do because it just damages trust. So let's have a look at the low-cost plan and how he thinks he's going to make it work. So, um He's not announcing any destinations yet, um, but he has got Birmingham Airport all tied up. He's had hmm. good conversations with them. And, you know, they've. the message I'm getting is that there are slots available. There's, um, you know, affordable parking available for the times when his planes aren't flying. It's all on power by the hour, which is kind of a new pandemic thing um, that seems to be making it much more viable to start, start operations like this. Hmm. Um, but, you know, he doesn't believe that low-cost long-haul work 
works in the same sense that it does on the short haul. And I tend to agree. What he said is, if you're going to have people on your airplanes for eight hours or more, then how can you be low cost? You know, how yeah. are you just going to keep those people captive for eight hours or are you going to care for them? And he believes that airlines should be caregivers, you know, that they should look after those people and mm. treat them right. It's their moral duty to make sure they're fed, make sure they get water. You know, he said you can still upsell, you can still sell better meals or extra meals or the excess baggage or the seating choice or, you know, you can upsell alcohol but give soft drinks for free. And yeah. I I think that's the way it's got to be done. I think this is very much the approach that Norwegian took. You know, you cannot have people on, on a plane for eight hours um, not able to eat and drink because they don't want to spend any money. So mm. so the, the message I'm getting is the essentials will be free. Um, you know, the, they will be taken care of, but you can always upscale or up upsell and buy other things as well. Mm. Um, so it's kind of, it's almost a hybrid airline, I would say. Um, but they're starting very slowly and very quietly. They're going to have one plane they're going to connect to one place in India and they're going to make sure that that is absolutely running like clockwork before they add any more planes or any more destinations and I have to say like we hear lots of airline startups at Simple Flying we get loads of them come across our desk and you've got to kind of raise your eyebrows and think my goodness is this going to work this Mm. is one I think is actually going to work I think this is going to be a great success and I Mm. can't wait to see them take off later in the year well I mean fingers crossed for hands airways and watch the space Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, I wanted to sort of close off the podcast by talking about my favourite thing in the world. <laughs> Not the Airbus A380, Tom. How did you guess, Joe? Um, I mean, we did kind of hint to that in the intro, so maybe that helped. Uh, true, um, true. <laughs> I wanted to talk, though, about sort of a plan that's been put together to... Uh, basically, they've created a concept for an A380 hotel, and the project is named uh, Envergure, which I probably said terribly. Um, <laughs> but basically, it, sees saying, uh, it saves an A380 that's destined for the scrap heap and turns it into an airport hotel near Toulouse Airport. And... That should set off a light bulb. Hang on. Toulouse is where Airbus built the A380, um, which I think is kind of the idea behind it. Um, it, It's quite interesting, though, because, you know, we've seen the plane. It's remained really popular with passengers even into the pandemic. But the same can't be said about airlines. And, you know... um, Akbar Al Baker from Qatar Airways uh, has called it since the start of his pandemic the biggest or the pandemic he's called it the his biggest mistake as an airline and also um, was very reluctantly bringing it back he was very clear that he mm-hmm. wasn't happy that it had to come back um, but I mean let's talk about this concept a bit more so basically it's going to breathe new life into an A380 that's not going to see the skies again um, it's quite interesting because as I said it's called Project uh, En Vigueur and that's French for wingspan. So it sees a retired A380 yeah. being relocated to a site adjacent to Toulouse Airport. And uh, a gentleman called Frédéric has dreamed up this project. He's a 15 years experience at Airbus, and which is um, just across the road from the planned site. And he was an aeronautical engineer while he worked there. Um, so it looks like the exterior of the jet is going to stay the same. You know, it's still going to have the wings. It's still going to have the engines. Um, it may get a new livery. I'm not sure, for example, if it was an ex-Air France or Lufthansa plane that they'd want their livery um, on a hotel. Um, I think mm-hmm. we've seen other airlines um, get quite upset about that before, but I'm not going to name any names. Um, <laughs> you know, it's planned that there will be 31 rooms inside the aircraft, though, including a couple of suites. So all of the rooms are going to have ensuite toilets and shower facilities. 
Um, there's going to be standard rooms that are around 16 square meters, and these will have a, a queen-size bed for two people. Deluxe rooms will accommodate three to four people with a queen-size bed and one or two single beds, and these are going to be about 23 square meters. But what about the suites, I hear you ask? Well, I do. There's two <laughs> suites on the aircraft. Um, one, kind of like the jumbo stay at Orlando with the 747, is in the um, the cockpit of the aircraft and this is going to uh, take up the flight deck you know there's going to be a king size bed and there's going to be a bathtub in the bathroom um so i think that's kind of cool to i'd love to see how they work it out from a sort of floor plan point of view and how much of the cockpit remains in the cockpit um the other suite is going to be at the opposite end of the aircraft and it's called the duplex suite so the designers plan to place this across two levels and the aircraft's original rear staircase is going to connect the two um, so there's going to be two bedrooms and a bathroom. Of course, they're not just going to plonk an A380 in a field and say, have at it. Um, there's going to be an adjacent <laughs> building inspired by an air traffic control tower. And this is going to house oh. a 60-seat restaurant. Um, nice. and presumably the hotel's reception facilities and the laundry and all this. Um, what's quite interesting was I kind of was trying to think what A380 would be used for the project. Um they, it's it's not clear. Uh, maybe the developers have a specific airframe in mind, but if they do, they haven't made it known. But, um, you know, there's plenty of options. Um, there's already several airframes situated around 120 kilometers away in Tarbes, um, which is um, where Tarmac Aerosave is, and they've dismantled at least three of these aircraft so far. Um, mm. Given its proximity, it would make sense for one of them to be used, um, especially if it needs to be cut up to get to the... The point where it's going to be used, if it can be flown, then I guess you could really use anything as long as you can fly it into Toulouse Airport. Um, in Tarbes right now, there's five aircraft from Air France, and these definitely won't fly with that airline again. I know some of them are up for sale, I think, anyway. Um, you know, they're unlikely to be picked up on the secondhand market. We've seen that idea come and go, and it's not really viable. Um there's also three from Singapore Airlines, which are unlikely to fly again, and two from Lufthansa, and one from Emirates, actually. Um, there's also four Etihad A380s at the airport, although these are, you know, the, we, they're unlikely to fly again, but Etihad did tell you, um, Etihad CEO, that under the right condition, they could return. Mm-hmm, um, that's right. So, yeah, that was what I had to say about that. And I'm definitely going to be booking a <laughs> But how room. much is it? When does it open? And when can I stay there? I'll tell you when I know. Okay. <laughs> tell me now. I want I'll to book a vacation. I, <laughs> I guess I knew, this I is very you. much at the design stage, right? And yeah, there's no, it's, it's, there's it's no... very much. I think there's some some sort of commercial backers, but it's it's not like a this is definitely happening thing. I think at this point in time, it's just somebody said, I would like to do this uh, to gauge the reaction of the world. Yeah, I have a mission to go and stay in more airplane hotels. I want to go and hmm. stay at that jumbo stay in uh, Sweden. Yeah, I um, want to stay that's, there That's too. my mission for later this year, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, maybe we could stay together, Tom. Not mm. like that. You know, we're both married. But I'll have, the, I'll have the cockpit suite and you can have the duplex suite. Oh, that's fine by me. The cockpit mm. suite looks super pokey. So, yeah. Anyway, let's talk more off air. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I think that's all we've got time for on our podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.